0: Good morning, everybody. It's, it's great to be back. It was nice to have a couple of weeks off. I'm very thankful for that, but you got to hear from some younger voices, and I think that's very important. I think you were in good hands while I was gone. And someone shorter than me was using this and let me, let me just, I'll tell you, you're gone for two weeks, you know, and they just lower everything on you. And Alright, now we're good. Let me ask you a question. Why are you here? I don't mean on planet Earth. I don't mean in Sheridan. I mean here at First Baptist Church this Sunday morning. Why are you here? I'm hearing some good answers. Many of you have seen that wonderful movie masterpiece known as City Slickers. If you haven't seen City Slickers, it's about this group of middle-aged men who are sort of having this midlife crisis. So they get this idea that they're going to head here out west, and they're going to kind of find themselves. They need to rediscover what the secret to life is and happiness and purpose. So they come out west, and they hook up with a cattle drive led by this grizzled old cowboy by the name of Curly. And one of the characters in that movie played by Billy Crystal, a guy named Mitch, he and Curly get in this conversation, and Curly has seen it all before. And they get into this conversation, and and Curly says to Mitch, he said, you all come out here about the same age, same problems. Spend 50 weeks a year getting knots in your rope. Then you think two weeks out here will untie them for you. He said, none of you get it. And he said, do you want to know what the secret to life is? And then he does this. He just holds up a finger. And the guy Mitch looks at him kind of sarcastically and says, uh, your finger, that's the secret to life? And he says, no. He says one thing, just one thing. He said, you stick to that and everything else don't mean anything. Mitch says, well, that's great, but what's the one thing? And he says, well, that's what you've got to figure out. So let me come back to my original question. Why are you here? And let's expand that a little bit and ask, what is the purpose of First Baptist Church? Why do we exist? Why are we on the map? And maybe you came here this morning and you'd answer that question by saying, well, I was seeking encouragement. I want to help the poor. I want to be with the people I know and love. I want to sing some songs. I want to hear a sermon. Well, what I want to unpack biblically is that question. What is the mission of First Baptist Church? What is the mission of First Baptist Church? That's what I want to focus on this morning. The text we're going to look at comes from the book of Acts, and this morning we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2. We'll be reading 40, verses 42 through 47. Uh, we'll be going outside that a bit, but if you would please stand with me for the reading of God's word from Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. Let me back up to verse 41. Uh, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. I'm starting a new series today. We just finished up 1 Samuel a few weeks ago, and now we're moving on to this series called The Mission in Motion. What does it mean not only to have a mission as a church, but what does it look like when we're doing our mission? We have a great mission statement here at First Baptist Church. As a matter of fact, you'll see it on my right and on my left. It's up on the wall to know him and to make him known. But unless we're willing to take action on that mission, it is just going to be words on the wall. And I think I can speak for everybody and say, that is not what we want to do at First Baptist. We don't want to be stuck with just words on the wall. So here's how I want to unpack that subject that I raised this morning. I want to move through Acts chapter 2 and talk a little bit more about, well, what is our mission? And you'll see from Matthew chapter 8, We have the Great Commission that's given to every church. And then more specifically, we come to First Baptist. And then how do we accomplish our mission? And I want to raise four action words there. Four action words that we're going to unpack more fully over the next few weeks. So what is our mission? How do we accomplish our mission? Let's start with that first question. And I want to start by looking again at the Great Commission we find at the end of the book of Matthew in verses 18 through 20. Christ is speaking to his now 11 apostles. Judas has already checked out. And this is what he says to them there at the end of Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There was still a lot more work to be done. And look at what Christ says there. He says, go. I mean, they're all just kind of standing there. They've been through a lot. They've witnessed the death of Christ now his resurrection. And he says to them, go. Don't just hang out here. There's more to do. You're going to make disciples, not just here where you're at, but you're going to be making them everywhere. And those disciples travel a long ways. And what, do, what then do they do? Make disciples, but then baptize them. Baptize them so they can display to the world the invisible grace that they ever received through visible means. But then don't just baptize them. We're not done yet. Teach, not just a few things, not just the stuff that maybe you like or you're good at. He said, teach them all that I have commanded you. Taking that first initial step of belief and faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ is step one. But it's only step one. So after the Gospels we get to the book called Acts. And Acts, the full title of the book of Acts is Acts of the Apostles. This is the stuff they're going to do. It's almost like a commentary on what was commanded at the end of Matthew 28. They receive the Holy Spirit in Acts chapters 1 and 2. They start preaching the gospel. Now that is the Great Commission. Making disciples. Baptizing disciples. In teaching. But then we can get it more specifically at First Baptist Church. We've taken the Great Commission, and in our context, <clears throat> we state it this way First, to know Him. To know Him. That is to say, to receive that teaching that has been passed down to us from those original 11 apostles. It's the New Testament. Then they added Paul later, he was given apostolic authority. They added Matthias later to replace Judas. But that process, a lifelong process, to know him, that's what we do as we gather as the body of Christ here at First Baptist Church. All of us being uniquely gifted to accomplish that. Everyone's gifts being very necessary and essential to accomplish the purpose and mission that we have as a church. Some to teach, some to preach, some to lead singing. Some to help out in every area that we need around here. To make others feel welcome. To lead community groups. The Holy Spirit has gifted this local body to do the work that God intends for us to do. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, to know God more and more every day. And then our mission statement continues, not just to know him, but to make him known. To make him known. See, we get this treasure, right? This, this wonderful knowledge of knowing God. But we don't just keep it to ourselves. Uh, and we don't take any credit for it. So, a wonderful verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's a treasure that others need to see. It's a treasure that we pass on to others. And through our speech and our deeds, we make Christ known in the body, in Sheridan, and then throughout the world. To know him and to make him known. See, that is our mission. If Curly were to be here and threw up that one finger, we would say that's it to know him and make him known. How do we then accomplish this mission that we've been given? I want to turn our attention back to the text that I just read. So again, in the book of Acts, the apostles have preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that, hey, look, we saw Jesus die, and we saw him resurrected. And by faith, by putting your trust in that work of Jesus Christ, you can have a relationship with the Father. You can be reconciled to him. You can be completely forgiven of everything you've ever done. And that message went out, and it caught fire. And people were hearing, and they were believing And then we get to verse 41. It says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. We have here the birth of the church. The mysteries of the Old Testament are starting to become more clear. It started right there in Jerusalem with these believers. So, Christianity, although it had its roots in, in Judaism, is now spreading and it's becoming a worldwide faith. So the church began with these 3,000 souls, brand new Christians. Now let's take a closer look at what they're doing in these verses, the verses we read earlier, because I believe that four action words rise to the surface as we look at this passage. I'm going to start with verses 46 and 47. We're speaking of these. 3,000 new Christian converts and it says in verses 46 and 47 and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The first thing I want to point out here that the people were doing is what we find at the beginning of verse 47. It says they were praising God. Now we have a word for this. We call it worship. We call it worship. That's our first action word. And specifically, we would call it corporate worship. And that's what we do on any given Sunday when we come together corporately. And There's a wonderful definition of corporate worship I like. Uh, the responsibility of the local church to come together to express the worthiness of God in one voice. See, that's what the word worship means. Ascri- ascribing worth to And yes, all week long, we should be worshiping God as individuals. And how we live our lives should be ascribing worth to God. But we do something differently on Sundays. We come together. There's one more quote from A.W. Tozer. He says, The local church exists corporately to do what each Christian believer should be doing individually, and that is to worship God. And they use that word praise there. <clears throat> and it comes from this Greek word. It means to express approval so when we get together and i hope that even though a song may get familiar or a tune may get familiar that you never become contemptuous of the words that we're singing to god that you never become so familiar that you're not thinking about even down on the heart level what it is we are expressing to god because in praising god we are seeing the truth to him singing those things to him that we believe to be true about him We do it quite a bit, actually. If you've ever been to a baseball game and you get to that seventh inning stretch, what do they do? They sing, take me out to the ball game. Why do they do that? Well, you're, you're expressing all the things you love about that baseball game experience. Peanuts and crackerjack and all that. If you're a baseball fan, I, you know, I'm, yeah. but you know, if you are, you are. I've been to a lot of games, a lot of Reds games back in West Virginia, and then, you know, back in West Virginia, by the way, I don't care who the band was that came. It could be a jazz band. It could be a heavy rock band. It could be a, uh, it could be an entire orchestra, but everybody was waiting for that group to sing one particular song, You said it, Gary. If they didn't sing Country Roads, they didn't really have a concert. Because in that song, they are singing everything that the hillbillies love about their home state of West Virginia. Blue Ridge Mountains. Shenandoah River. You know? Dark and dusty, painted on the sky. Why? again, they're singing those things they love about West Virginia. And when we're singing, we're singing those things we love about our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Worship is very important. And at the same time, we don't want it to be the only thing we emphasize at First Baptist Church. And why is that? Because that's not all we're called to do. In the same way, I don't want a doctor overemphasizing my, uh, my blood pressure over my pulse rate or my cholesterol. We need to be balanced in our approach to God and to worship and, and, and our mission as First Baptist Church. So I want to come to this second action word now. We see it in verse 42, and there we read, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread the prayers. There's a few items in this verse that need to be addressed. I want to focus on what it says there at the beginning of verse 42. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That is to say that this early church, I mean, can you imagine just being discipled by the apostles? The people that walked with Jesus, who spent their time with Jesus. If you've been watching The Chosen, you see this group of men and some women traveling along with Christ, gleaning everything they can being taught oftentimes when they, they don't even realize it, and now they're taking that task to others. They're coming along, and it's their job to give the teaching. Those eleven apostles again picking up Matthias later. That gives us this second action word, and that is to grow. To grow. And notice the word that's used there. It's devotion. It comes from this Greek word, proskartereo. And it means you're busying yourself with something. You're busily engaged in something. That was the nature of the instruction that they were receiving. So these young Christians were hungering to dive deeply into everything they could. All they could glean from these apostles. They had an appetite. And it's ongoing. They were keeping after it because they believed it to be worthy of doing so. Actually, that word was used to describe a woman persisting in labor to deliver a child. So in this context, it speaks of a patient endurance to learn about Christ. We're not talking about attending a class that will be over tomorrow. This is speaking of a lifelong learner growing to maturity. See, that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because growth is vitally important in the life of a Christian. See, things that aren't growing are dead. And that does not describe the life that Christ brings, the abundant life. So as Christians, we're growing to maturity. Now again, we don't want to emphasize instruction to a fault. Because what happens then? Sometimes churches can become Bible institutes. And it's all about coming and sitting and learning and coming and sitting and learning. Uh, There's more going on here than that. Um, The sermon is not more important than everything else we do. Praising God and the acts of communion and baptism, when people get puffed up with knowledge, they can sometimes have very little compassion for other people. And that's not growth either. Evangelizing and sharing what you know, that's also part of growth and maturity. Bible study is important, don't get me wrong. It's essential, as a matter of fact, in the life of the Christian, but it's not the only thing. So we don't want to overemphasize this over the other areas. But then there's other important action words to get to as well. We see the next one. Really, this next one's all through verses 41 through 47. But we see it in phrases like what we see in verses uh, 42 and 46. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Uh, and then going on, every day they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts. Just be there for a moment, would you? In that those early days. Who would not want to be part of this? We see these young Christians, they are coming together, being part of something they've never been part of before. There was no loneliness, there was no hunger, people's needs were being met, and this is just a taste of the heavenly kingdom that was going to come. But they're beginning to get a sense of it now. And that required connection. This little kingdom community we have right there, that's our third action word, connect. Connect. Connection with other believers, see, is vital in the life of the Christian. We even have this word community that we kick around quite a bit. We do communion. When we take communion, we're showing that we're part of a community both with each other and with God himself, made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. When we have a church that comes together, it has to be connected. And there are people dying for connection. And they're looking for it everywhere. They're looking for it in fitness programs. They're looking for it online. They're looking for it in the bar. Because people are needing connection. We're made to be connected. This Christianity thing we're doing, by the way, is a team sport. But again, if we overemphasize it to the neglect of everything else, we can create a family reunion church where it's only about getting together. And fellowship is wonderful, but you can't have it without Christianity. You can't have connection. People can meet around a a common affinity, a love of whatever. It could be hunting, fishing, gardening, whatever it is. There's a different kind of connection here that's not just about a shared interest with a group of people. This is a group of people indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, so often in Scripture we see the phrase, the body of Christ. Even Paul, when he describes the body of Christ, he's going to use human body parts to do it. You don't have a body without the parts of the body connected. And when one part hurts, another part hurts. But that doesn't happen if there's no connections going between those parts. It's vital for the life of the church and the disciple of Christ. So we've got to be connected. And then finally, I want to talk about a fourth action word. We see it in verse 44. It said that all who believed were together and held everything in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone as anyone had need. And we see the body of Christ doing what? They're serving. They're caring for each other. They're helping meet the needs of everyone that's around them. They weren't just wrapped up in their own needs. They were concerned about others, other people in the body. Now, and this is where so many churches can get off track. I get social justice. I get the need to love and help others. But it can't just be all about service either. It's done in the name of Christ. Now, the error that some churches that can make that get off track and become only about service, they may say things like, well, I know what the Bible says, but. No. That's not the right phrasing. A church can be full of activists but they can't be just about service. They can be involved in the political process, but not just the political process. We need to be concerned about the poor and the marginalized, but it's a part and it's not the entire picture. So how do we accomplish our mission? I believe it's through these four action words we see on the screen right now. To worship, grow, connect, and serve. So important. I believe these words are, that we're planning on putting them on the back wall as you're exiting the church. Those four action words, worship, grow, connect, and serve. Over the next several weeks, I'm going to be unpacking this more fully so that we'll understand these actions more deeply and how important they are in the life of the church and how First Baptist intends to accomplish these actions. And what does a church look like that's doing this? You know, I came across a you may have seen it it's an essay called church is hard and it is it's that one unique place where everybody comes together with a whole lot of differences and a lot of different backgrounds and we come together as adopted sons and daughters brothers and sisters so what does a church look like that does this i just want to read through part of that essay it said church is a refuge for broken hearts and a training ground for mighty warriors Church is a converging of confrontation and invitation, where sin is confronted and hearts are invited to seek restoration. It's a lesson in faith and trust. Church is a bearer of burdens and a giver of hope. Church is a family, a family coming together, setting aside differences, forgetting past mistakes, rejoicing in the smallest of victories. Church, the body and the circle of sinners turned saints, is where he resides, and if we ask, he's faithful to come. So even on the hard days at church, the days when I'm at odds with a friend, when I've fought with my spouse because we're late once again, when I've walked in bearing burdens heavier than my heart can handle and masking the pain with a a smile on my face, excuse me, when I've worn a scarlet letter, when I've been under the microscope, when I've longed for a baby to hold or fought tears as the lyrics were sung, When I've walked back in, afraid and broken, after walking away, I'll remember he has never failed to meet me here. That's the kind of church I want to be and be part of. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, you made it all possible. Through your obedience and your love for us, you endured the cross, the means by which would bring us together You opened the door that we could be reconciled to the Father, that we could receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And we celebrate that this morning, Lord Jesus, as we take communion together. Meet us here now. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.